Hey friends, welcome back to the Sending 65 podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Schultz, and today's conversation is so special to me because it is with one of my best friends, Brittany Opal Ficker. We met in fifth grade and essentially never looked back. We spent endless hours together at basketball tournaments. She was a bridesmaid in my wedding, and now she lives with her family in Guatemala. And you are going to want to hear that story. And she's simply just one of the absolute best and funniest people I know. Her love for the Lord, her obedience to the Lord, her testimony, it continues to impact me in such massive ways. And I'm believing it will impact you too. I hope you enjoy this conversation. B, Brittany Holdsworth Ficker. Just kidding. Brittany Opal Ficker. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, Mads, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So B, I call her B. Her name's Brittany Opal Ficker. Yes, Ficker, you heard it right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, only, Not like, that your mind was going anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so B and I, this is this episode has been a long, long, long time coming. Been wanting to do this since I started a podcast. B is one of my absolute best friends. We have we met in fifth grade. We played for the same AAU basketball club and we got to play AAU basketball together from fifth grade to like ninth or tenth grade. 11th was my last year. Okay. Okay. Um, but no, yeah, B, tell what do you remember? I mean, we have we have traveled, we have spent endless trips together, our moms, us traveling all over the country, playing basketball together, laughing, not taking ourselves too seriously. B, what do you yeah, what do you remember about fifth grade, Maddie and B, or you know, all of basketball? Yes. It's crazy. I don't know if you feel this way, but basketball was such a huge part of the first half of my life. And now like, I don't know if I remember how to dribble. I haven't (laughs) physically seen a basketball on TV or in real life in maybe six years. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's fun to go back and think, wow, that was, that was so much. So Mads, yeah, we were 11 when we met. You were so cute. (laughs) I, I, I was so not Whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's rough being 11 years old and almost six feet tall and maybe 100, 170 pounds. But you were this cute little. This is pre braces, so you had yeah. some chipmunk teeth. I did. Adorable. Um, but yes, you and I were not the best players. No. But because we weren't the best, we had to be the funniest. We had to be. (laughs) You had to bring something to the table. So we, yeah, we had so much fun. We probably laughed at times where we shouldn't be and were on the verge of maybe getting yelled at if we were caught laughing. You could get away with it more than I could because, once again, (laughs) you were cute. Um, But, yeah, so many road trips with you and Mama Zoe and Mm -hmm. my mom, Val, where, oh, my gosh. And I know we'll probably get into this later, but your parents knew and loved Jesus. My family was on a different path at the time, but we always had so much fun together. Never felt judged by Tim and Zoe. Uh, you guys just loved us exactly where we were at. And then look at us now, like like you said, both following Jesus. Um, 
Yeah. Wild. Wow. It was so fun to get to think back to. I mean, we have we have over a decade of like deep friendship and the sweetness to have walked through. Like you said, I mean, I we were 11, so it's not like at that point I'm mm-hmm. I, I would claim I mean, I went to church my family like but I wasn't following Jesus either. So sweet to walk through all these seasons of life, us go away to college and me maybe thinking I'm following Jesus, but not mm-hmm. actually. And then God saving you in college and and then saving me too, like us around like similar mm-hmm. times of, oh, what does a full surrender look like? And then yes. and us already having this deep friendship and then just the sweetness and getting to now follow Jesus with you and learn from you and be, an encur- be encouraged by you. It's just, it is the sweetest thing. So can you tell us the quick gist about yourself? Yes. I am from Carroll, Iowa, Western Iowa. I have two brothers, Jordan and Connor. My parents are Dave and Val and grew great up, people. went to Carroll High, salt of the earth, great people. Literally. Um, and I, my junior year, decided I'm done with basketball. I, it was not fun anymore. I actually asked a friend in choir one day quitting AAU basketball, staying in high school basketball. But I was like, I don't know how to get out of this thing. Like my parents have invested thousands of dollars, thousands of miles driving all over the country every weekend, all for me to eventually play basketball in college. Like that would be the payoff. I'd get a full ride. So I actually asked my friend in choir one day, I'm like, you think you could maybe hit me with your car not hard enough where there's any like fatal or sustaining injuries, but hard enough that I could like, oh, sorry, can't play, can't play basketball. Wanted to, but um, so anyway, my parents finally one day after I was ignoring calls from college coaches wanting to set up visits, they had found out that I wasn't calling them back because I'm an avoider. They go, do you not want to do this anymore? Do you not want to play AU anymore? I go, oh, is that an option? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm done. (laughs) It was like that. And yeah, that was the end of basketball. So instead of playing in college, I went to the University of Northern Iowa and yes, had a very typical college experience there, met Jesus, which was not what I was expecting. We'll get into that Mm. later. Uh, After I was done at UNI, a semester before graduating, I felt called to go to nursing school. I was initially going to college for communication studies and nonprofit management. And I was like, oh, man, God, really? Like another bachelor's degree? I am so far in the hole in student loans already. Mm. Uh, And I met with the pre-nursing student advisor at UNI. I'm, like I said, a semester before graduating. So he's usually seeing freshmen. I mean, he's looking at my transcripts like, I see, I see you're graduating this December. I'm like, yes, but I'd like to go to nursing school. He's like, all right, you, you're, you're missing quite a bit of pre, I go, I know, I know. I go, I just, I know it doesn't make sense. I just feel like I should. Can you help point me in the direction? I can take classes at the community college, whatever, just help. And he points at the picture on his wall. Him and his wife had adopted like seven kids through foster care. And we had made no mention of Jesus. He goes, hey, if God's calling you to something that doesn't make sense, 
my advice would be to dive in. Wow. And I made that decision right there, leaving. All right, I'm going to nursing school. So then I left you and I, graduated you and I, started pre-nursing classes at the community college, and then went to Allen College and got my bachelor's of science in nursing, uh, passed my boards. I was at your house the day I took my boards when I was pregnant with Isaiah. Oh, my goodness. You remember that? No. No. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of the last six years <laughs> no, understandably, more of a memorable day for me. Like, has the past Wait, seven years of school been worth it or not? I'm trying to remember. I went and took my boards yeah. in Omaha. Oh, oh, for some reason in my house. head, I was picturing Ankeny. And I'm like, I don't remember that. Oh, I remember when you were in Omaha. I don't know why I was thinking Ankeny. Yes, I remember. We have a picture outside in the front of all of us. Yes, David was there. Yes. Yes. I was like seven months pregnant with Isaiah. Okay. Um, you were so kind. You're like, you look so beautiful. Uh, yeah. I and do then, remember, yes. Uh, passed my boards, had Isaiah in August of 2020, moved to Guatemala October of 2020. The plan was to move down here immediately after I passed my boards. We wanted Isaiah to be born here in country uh, for citizenship reasons paperwork reasons, but the borders were closed because of the pandemic. So the soonest we could get down here was the end of October. And that is where I am now. I have four children, have been married four years. Uh, <laughs> none of them out of wedlock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Met my husband, David, uh, on a mission trip here while I was in nursing school. Yes. So I am a nurse by trade. Mm-hmm. I worked in the, we have a hospital here that I worked at a couple days a week when we first came down. But like I said, now have four kids. So I stay at home and my role in the ministry is that I help coordinate visitors, teams, medical professionals that want to come visit and serve here. Amazing. Okay. Can you tell us did I miss anything? No, no, you didn't. But we, and we'll get to dive in on all of those things, <laughs> which I'm excited about. Um, but can you tell us about in college when you did come to know and follow Jesus? Yeah. So when I was 18, leaving my parents' house, I was excited to finally be a little naughty. I never drank in high school. I I was going to say I didn't sleep around, but that's like very like I'm underselling it. I never kissed anybody. I never liked anybody, like nothing. So I was excited to have this college experience that I had seen in the movies. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I've been a good girl the past 18 years. I'm going to go live it up. And God decided to give me a roommate who loves him. Who was that? Her name is Morgan. Morgan Redmond. Um, Also salt of the earth. It was kind of random. Not Yes. Yes, just amazing. We had met on Panther Picks, which is kind of like Match.com for roommates. I might have said on my application or questionnaire that, yes, I love God, because I thought, well, I might get someone who's also maybe slightly religious, maybe less of a sociopath <laughs> if I'm partnered with someone like that. Uh, and she was wonderful, but kind of started to cramp my style of I want to kind of be wild in college. And she would invite me to church and she would invite me to the Thursday night campus ministry at UNI. And because I'm a people pleaser and I wanted her to like me, I said yes. And I went. Um, and that was like my first exposure 
to seeing a group of people excited about gathering, maybe excited about who God is, maybe actually knowing who this Jesus person is. Um, my initial critical reaction is, okay, everyone can calm down. You can take your hands down, like, bravo, you look holier, good job. I, I didn't think it was possible for that to be genuine. Because the lack of humility, the pride in me thought, there can't be more to God that I don't know about. Hmm. Like, I know he exists, but anyone who did more than that, anyone who was sold out, anyone who professed their love for Jesus just felt like, well, that's their hobby. They're radical, but there's really nothing more to it. Hmm. But as I would continue going to these campus ministry events in church on Sunday and learn more about who Jesus is, I started to kind of fall in love with him. Like, oh, he is he is awesome. Uh, he's really cool. The reading the Bible and learning more about his heart, right? Like I started to love him, started to really like him, but I did not give my life to him until March 25th, 2014, which will Mm. be 10 years in a couple months. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. It's got me all, all in my feels. I'm like, what do I, Mm -hmm. I want to put like something together to share about that. I'm like, how, how do you put to words about following who, who Jesus is and what following him is like? Mm -hmm. Um, I, so I had a supernatural encounter with God. I was leaving one of my classes on UNI's campus and walking to the dining center to get lunch and that's a longer story for another time. Like we're already probably going to be a five hour episode, but <laughs> essentially the Holy Spirit fell upon me. I'm by myself in the middle of campus. People are walking around in between classes and I audibly, maybe visibly and like throwing my arms up, but just saying like, God, I give my life to you. Everything is yours. Everything. Wow. I don't want my own way. I don't want my own path. It is yours. I am following you. Wow. And so I, I I have a moment where and that's why I'm so passionate about the term, which I think we've talked about following Jesus, because mm-hmm. uh, I believed in Jesus mm-hmm. kind of for a long time. I liked Jesus. I would even go on to say I worshiped Jesus. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until that day I laid my life down and said, I want to follow you. Mm not myself anymore. Hmm. So, yeah. Wow. What, what do you feel like after that encounter on campus? What did it, what looked different about your life? Do you feel like things changed? Oh, (laughs) that was hard. (laughs) It's hard to be in college and single And I just wanted, I wanted to be loved. I wanted a boyfriend so bad. I wanted to be a Mm -hmm. wife. Um, So I was looking for that love. You know, I'm like, oh, if I don't go partying anymore, that severely reduces my chance at finding someone. So I I was, oh, I was so torn. I would call my mom after waking up hungover, like, oh, now I feel, I didn't have the word for it at the time, but convicted Mm -hmm. of, 
oh, Jesus, I I love you and I want to follow you, but also, oh, look where I am. Look what's around me. Mm -hmm. This is so fun. I don't know. I don't know how to rise above this while I'm still in it and truthfully want to be in it. It's not like all of my flesh immediately mm-hmm. die and I'm like, oh, I don't even yeah. desire to get drunk and dance anymore. No, yeah. I, I did. So it's like, yeah. um, so that was, man, I guess really until I met David, Maddie, mm. it was how do I follow you but still do what I want to do of the world mm. and – Um, there are times throughout those, let's see how many years, maybe seven, no, six years, I guess, before I met David, after I followed Jesus, Mm -hmm. um, times where I followed him more closely times where he was way off, but I'm like, I still see you, Mm -hmm. but I'm not, I can't touch your robe anymore. You Mm -hmm. are not close. I'm not close. Yeah. I should say, but it wasn't until meeting David and kind of, Hey, he just, called me higher. I, I finally met someone who was like, you can just say no to the world. You can just not. Wow. And I mean, like I said, it was a lot easier because I then had found a love and found a husband. And that's what I ultimately was wanting all those years, wanting connection with people, which mm-hmm. is why I kept doing the other things. But, but yeah, it was it was hard. A lot of, oh, I want this, but I also want this. How do I follow Jesus and still have every earthly fleshly pleasure? Yeah. Come to find. You can't. You really, you can't. You can't. You can't. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, and I feel like the thing is, too, with sin, it's like the enemy doesn't en- entice us with, like, the worst thing ever. Like, oh, come over here and sin and suffer. It's like yes. sin is enticing. Like it's like sin looks mm. and is like, let's just call it what it is. Like, oh my gosh, like you did have fun drinking and getting drunk. It's not like that was the worst time. You know what I mean? No. That's yes. But at the end of the day, that – not just drinking, but all sin. So it can be – I mean, it's mm-hmm. sin I'm struggling with today. You know, it mm-hmm. sin will lead to – complete destruction and despair. And it does every time. So even today, I mean, yes. when I'm thinking, oh, you know, this this is going to sound like a quote unquote smaller example, but I don't believe it is. If I'm reaching for an iced latte every day to comfort me, that's not going mm. to. Like that's mm. still, I'm like idolizing exactly. iced coffee. I'm reaching for something of the world to possibly fill me and it won't. Only Jesus will. And that's not to say I can't have iced coffee. And that's not to say like that you can't have a margarita, but there, I mean, obviously there was, there's a line there that you, that you're now following and, and, and fleeing from temptation. But yeah, that's the thing about sin. It's not, it it looks beautiful. The, the fruit on the tree was looked beautiful and was beautiful. And oh, Eve, if you take the bite of fruit, here's what, here's really what you'll get. Mm -hmm. Did she get that? Like, no, like no. she got death and that's yes. what we'll get too. But yes. yeah, if anyone's listening, it's not it, like sin looks wonderful and some of it is quote unquote like fun. It's not going to be the worst times of your yes. life, but it will lead yes. to death and destruction and despair. We choose either the world or we choose yes. God and we're constantly every single day battling. The, the spirit is battling the flesh. It's all in your heart, Maddie. 
it is all in your heart. So you can go out and drink a margarita and know Jesus is on the throne of my life. This margarita is not going to fill any void. Yeah. I am not. John Piper says that the essence of sin is that the human heart would put anything before God. Hmm. Can you say that again? The essence of sin is that the human heart would put anything before God. Yeah. And that throughout my day, yeah. I can be putting yes. pride. Like, yeah, it's, it's not these, it, sin can look so external. Like you said, yeah. cussing, beating someone up, yelling <laughs> at your kid, doing yeah. drugs. God's like, and that's what Jesus did when he came. He goes, no, if you look at another woman with lust, you've committed adultery. He's like, no, I want to see your heart. And do you love me more than all those other Mm. things? Do you love me more than ice lattes? Yeah. I'll be honest. Someday it's like you say in your head, well, yes, I love you more than ice lattes. If I have not talked to or spent time with Jesus that day, but can't wait for my ice latte because it's going to be my pick me up. Yeah. That's kind of exposing my, my heart. No. Well, then that doesn't line up with what I say. Yeah. (laughs) Who do I actually love the most? Yes. Have you ever read um, You Are What You Love by James K.A. Smith? No. It essentially, the whole book, I've probably talked about it on the podcast before, I feel like it wrecked my life. I think I read it during the pandemic, and it's essentially like the premise is what you just said. What I truly love will be shown through my life. So we all say, yes. or at least you and I say, that we love God the most. Is my time, treasures, talents, loves, is my whole life reflecting that? Because my life might actually show me that I love my phone more than God or that I love a latte more than – like our lives are showing what we love. And oftentimes it's different than what we're saying we love. And anyways, shameless plug for that book. I need to reread it. It's very dense. Like I have to like take breaks and like he's so intelligent Um, and I have to like really chew on the things he says. but. It's exactly that. Like I like it's so convicting to take a step back. Did my life show that I love Jesus more than myself today? Did it show that I love Jesus more than anything? More than my family, more than my, you know, whatever it is. But that's really that's really encouraging be. Okay, so hard right turn to the best story ever. Take a drink, <laughs> strap in. Um so if you didn't if you didn't catch this yet, B is in <laughs> Guatemala, um, yeah. where, it, where it is. How warm is it there? I really wanted it to be sunny in 65, but <sighs> it is sunny in 72. Wow. Oh. Oh, 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 poor you. <laughs> <laughs> what is it in Omaha right now? Oh, gosh. Actually, we have a warmer day today. I want to say it's like 19 Ooh. or something. That's that's been warm. A little balmy, a balmy 19. Going to go crazy. Might go to the park. <laughs> Um, okay. So please, can you tell us, um, the best story ever, how you met your husband, David, and moved to Guatemala? And I don't know if you're planning on sharing this or not, but if you could share, um, if, even if it's not the full story, part of the story or the full story of how David's family got to Guatemala, Mm because I feel like that story is just so encouraging and impactful. And are you kidding me? You need to have Dwayne and Leslie on the pod. I gotta. I have to. <laughs> adding them to my list now. So, yeah, let's go back to 1996. 
my husband's parents, Dwayne, Dwayne and Leslie, and their six kids came down to Guatemala to an orphanage about 30 minutes from where we are now to go on a mission trip. It might have been a week, maybe 10 days. They came back and Leslie, David's mom, is a nurse and she really wanted to be down here. She felt like God was calling their whole family to come down here. Dwayne was not in agreement. He was a pilot, a corporate pilot for a law firm, had a really good job. It's like, we're not, we're not doing that. Uh, so for three years, Leslie prayed every day for God to change Dwayne's mind. And in 1999, God spoke to Dwayne and they put all of their six kids. Aaron was the oldest at the time. I, he might have been 16 or 17. And then their youngest, Rachel, um, in 96, she might have been a year old. She was a year old. They loaded up in a school bus and drove down wow. from St. Louis to Guatemala. And this is before smartphones, before Google Maps. The faith in the journey that they went on. I think he, David said it took them 13 days to get here. So my husband, he was 11 in 1996 when they came down. So he grew up here. This is home. And once you spend just a little time with David, you quickly see that he's a little different. <laughs> he's the best. <laughs> he's, he's the best. <laughs> but he's, he's American, but he's not American. He's Guatemalan, but he's not Guatemalan. He's got this red ginger beard and pale skin. So I say that because that's kind of what drew me to him to begin with. So he's lived his whole life mostly here since age 11. In 2019, I'm in nursing school, like I said, and I get invited to come down here to this ministry that David's family has on a mission trip. I was invited through a local church in town. I didn't go to that church, but the uh, missions coordinator at that church also led like a Zumba dance class that I went to. So after class one day, she goes, she goes, hey, I'm leading a team to Guatemala in January. This is maybe in October. She goes, do you want to come? And this is much this is the amount of prayer and discernment that went into that decision. I said, sure. <laughs> right when she asked. <laughs> um, Praise so, God. Praise God that he is at work even when we're not super intentional in seeking him. Yeah. So uh, so a couple months later, I travel to Guatemala on this team through Prairie Lakes Church. And David is the one who picks us up from the airport in Guatemala City. We get in this van and he drives us to Kanaya, where we live. And that day, it was about an eight or nine hour drive through the mountains of Guatemala. Uh, very interesting. And, you know, I was immediately kind of, I don't know the right word, interested or curious about this guy. He didn't really talk to any of us. We would make some conversation, you know, like this is the guy driving us in a foreign land, <laughs> the first person we're, we're meeting. And I remembered asking, I go, so David, do you do you miss the states? I'm thinking, oh poor guy, I'm sure he misses the states. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, just he's driving, looking straight ahead. No, I hate the states. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 
okay. So I was not conversing anymore with him. But, and everyone was kind of like, okay, don't, don't poke the bear. He's just going to drive us. And we stopped at a Burger King in Chimaltenango. And we ate as a team. And then we get back into the van. And David goes, this is when I usually pray for the teams. Because he would pick up teams all the time. That was kind of his ministry role. As far as teams go, he does yeah, more stuff along here, with, but he, yeah, everything yes, else he fixes he likes, and does. He, yes. He <laughs> likes to hide when the teams are physically here. So that was his way of having a little face time with them. Yeah. But so he says, I'm going to pray with you guys. I do that uh, every time we have a team just to kind of set the tone for the week. And David starts to pray and pretty much all of our jaws are on the floor. Like I have never heard someone talk to Jesus like they were the best of friends, mm. like they were in love, mm. like, holy cow, we were just, so then I really upped the interest, like, no, who is this guy? Mm. I was thinking there was not much there, but he has just showed us a little bit of his heart, and mm. holy cow, he is a deep well and has a very real thriving relationship with Jesus. Mm. So he, we finish the drive and we don't really see him the rest of the week, but someone on my team said, Hey, you know, that David guy that brought us in, he lives in a grain bin. So like a silo, but shorter and wider. Uh, if you're from the Midwest, maybe, you know, but they, uh, some of my teammates wanted to see how did he convert this grain bin into a house? So me and a couple of people on my team went over to the shop, going to ask him if we can go get a tour of the grain bin thinking, this guy could very well say no, and this will be awkward. Yeah. But we we went over, and I asked, I was like, hey, could, could we see your house? I hear you live in a grain bin. He goes, yeah, sure. So <laughs> <laughs> he takes us there. It's a very quick tour. He doesn't exchange many words. All right. But after that, my heart would start to pitter-patter at the thought of him, like, okay, maybe I – kind of like this guy. He's kind of cute. Um, definitely very interesting. And the week goes on. And I will say before I went on my trip to Guatemala, I felt God telling me that this trip was going to be big and change my life forever. And <laughs> if I, know, like had, <laughs> I know. And this is how I thought that would manifest. Like, okay, I was in nursing school. Maybe David's parents would see me at work in the clinic and be like, wow, that's a good nurse. We need to hire her full time right after she graduates. And yeah. now I laugh because I had no Spanish. I gave one injection to someone while people were watching and I didn't put the needle in the arm deep enough that the medicine was spilling down their arm. And I'm like, I'm scooping it up and trying to like get it back here. So I... I uh, quickly realized that they were not going to be blown away by my nursing skills. Um, but I, but I thought, I'm like, okay, God, like I had been on mission trips before to Jamaica and Haiti and they were always wonderful, but this one felt different, felt like it was going to change the trajectory of my life forever. So as the week went on and I'm like, okay, it's not going to be because I'm a great nurse. Uh, I was starting to feel disappointed, confused, and the last night that our team was here before we left the next morning, we had worship at the prayer room at the hospital. And I just sat in my chair 
kind of cried, journaled. I was so sad. Not really that the big thing hadn't happened, but that, God, I don't know your voice at all. I thought you were telling me something. Hmm. And just confusing. Like, I don't even know your voice now. What's your voice versus what I'm hoping what will happen? And so I just kind of journaled and told God, like, I'm, I, I'm disappointed. I'm confused. I thought you were going to do something big. Don't get me wrong. This week's been incredible. But the thing that I thought would happen clearly hasn't happened because we leave tomorrow morning. Hmm. Uh, that night, you know, I'm still feeling strongly towards David. I'm looking behind me to see if he's at worship. And, you know, he stood in the back with his hands in his pocket and hat on, you know, and <laughs> left immediately after it was done. I get back to our team house that night and connect to Wi-Fi and see if David's on Facebook. Like, okay, if nothing's going to happen while I'm here, maybe when I get back, I can send him a message like, nice to meet you. And he doesn't have any social media. Okay, well, can't do that. <laughs> checks out. Uh, checks out. So I prayed that night, that Friday night before our team left. I said, God, I feel like maybe this guy is my husband. If he's not, get this whatever crap is going on in my head and heart out of me. Uh, if he is my husband, then you have to do something because I, the last thing I'm going to do is go up and start talking to him. Mm -hmm. um, so the next morning, David picks up our team and he drives us to Antigua. I had written him a note, completely platonic, just like, Hey David, thanks for the week. Thanks for driving our team. You know, I also wrote one to his parents and these other missionaries that were here that went with us to the team. I, you know, I didn't say I love you and I want to marry you, but thanks for the week. Just hoping that maybe he'd remember me. Mm -hmm. Just set me apart a little bit. Maybe yeah. if I ever came back, he'd be like, oh, yeah, that's the girl that wrote the note. Yeah. Uh, drops us off. He leaves. And he actually picks up at the hotel that he drops us off at is another team of nursing students from Ohio, actually from Pennsylvania, and I'm just so bitter, like, oh, great. I'm just a number. I'm just one girl that comes down every other week, falls in love with this guy, and then is disposed of, and he picks up the next slew. And, and it's not like at this so, point, you guys didn't like get time together besides those, like, it's not like you were working alongside no. each other all week and you fall in love with, like, it. Like God put no. this this love in you for him. Yes. Yes, he did. So he leaves and I'm just bummed. You know, my team is walking around Antigua, doing shopping, buying souvenirs for their families. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy anything. I just left my husband. Doesn't anyone understand how heartbroken <laughs> I am? But, but no, nobody knew. And I actually said to one of my teammates, Jill, we were walking. She goes, you okay? I go, yeah, Jill, I, I know it sounds crazy, but I, I feel like I just left my boyfriend. And she goes, <laughs> David? <laughs> I go, I go, yeah. She goes, huh, interesting. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody gets it. So I was Thanks a lot, Jill. sitting on a bench. Yeah, exactly. Not, not the confirmation I was looking for. I sat down on a bench and had my phone up, had the note app out, and I'm writing down my prayer. Like, hey, God, let's get serious. Do I love him or am I just on a mission trip? And I'm romanticizing everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and like, so I'm, I'm hashing all this out by myself on a bench in the middle of a market. And my last line, I say again, God, if this is you, you have to do something. My hands are tied. 
And as I write, God, if this is you, you have to do something. This couple that was serving here at the time was with our team, um, kind of escorting us around. They came up to me, looked at me, and the wife says, so, Brittany, what do you think about David? And I kind of get tears in my eyes, my heart beating fast, just felt like the Holy Spirit was on me. I'm like, I'm going for this. I go, actually, Lori, I think he's my husband. And then she starts to get tears in her eyes, and so does her husband. And I am like, what? What's going on here? They go, yeah. I'm like, what do you mean by yeah? And Don goes, when I read your application for the trip, I knew. Wow. And at this point, I'm like standing up, pacing around this little bench. I'm like, you knew? You knew what? And it was <laughs> exactly in that moment, I knew I'm going to marry David. I'm going to live in Guatemala. Wow. And I, I asked Lori, you know, when they said, yeah, we knew when we read your application for the trip. I go, do you guys do this every time a single 20 something comes down because you want to set someone up with David? I said, because if you do, I'm not interested. I was so adamant on knowing that this was God. And they go, no, no, we don't. You know, because of David's story, David has had a history of kind of being used and abused by girls who come down on trips leaving, never hearing from them again. So they go, no, we actually, we don't, they didn't say that at the time. They said, no, we're protective of David. Mm -hmm. We don't do this with everyone. I'm like, okay, if you don't do it all the time, then yes. Could you give him my number, please? (laughs) And Lori texts David and says, hey, would you like Brittany's number? David very similarly goes, well, does she want me to have it, Lori, or do you just want me to have it? She goes, no, she wants you to have it. He goes, okay, you can, you can send it. And So that's my side of the story. David, throughout the whole week, he immediately noticed me when he picked up our team in Antigua, in Guatemala City, and drove us to Cania. B is stunning. B is stunning. So I just, I know you guys can't see her, but she seriously is just like the most beautiful human. Okay, keep going. Of course, he noticed you. Well, so um, I had a ring on my finger. And The jury's still out on which hand it was on, but it was not an engagement looking ring. Like it was a sideways cross. So even if I had it on my left finger, like, come on, David. But so he immediately recognizes me. And while he's driving, you know, he's quietly observing, trying to figure out and do the math of, okay, what finger is that on? (laughs) And he ultimately came to the conclusion that I was married. So he's like, all right, God, she's married. That was a fun 20 minutes of, you know. (laughs) liking or having interest in this girl. Mm -hmm. Well, as the week goes on, different people here on the ground, his brothers or his mom were coming up to him saying, what do you think about that Britain girl on the team? And he finally said to his brother, Joe, like, no, she's, she's married. And Joseph goes, no, she's not. Uh, I don't know how Joseph knew that, but he had (laughs) shout out Joseph. He had out here saving lives. Yes, he had driven our team like up the mountain one day to do a project to like build a stove for this widow on the side of the mountain. And apparently, I was just so I was not giving off wifey vibes from the things I was saying or how I was (laughs) acting. So 
uh, had I known he would be my future brother-in-law, I maybe wouldn't have been as loose-lipped, but hey, it was all part of the story. <laughs> he was meant to know, meant to know that I was not anyone's wife, so he could relay that to David. So David maybe found that out midweek, but he still was telling God, like, cool, but I'm not going to do anything. Well, come to find out on the very night, that Friday night after worship, that I came back to my room and prayed, God, if this is you, you have to do something. David went to his little grain bin, snuggled in for the night, and told God the exact same thing. Wow. She's my wife. You have to do something. And wow. here we are. We <sighs> So just like a little timeline. That was January of 2019. I get back up to the States. And we FaceTimed because he had no idea any side of my story that I felt like this was God. Mm -hmm. And I told him on that first FaceTime, like, uh, I'm supposed to be your wife. (laughs) And I think it took I think it took him a couple days to come around and then be like, yeah, this this is God. It really (laughs) spoke loudly to him when I when I bought tickets and came over spring break in March. Yeah, that was when my words weren't just words, but I was coming to see him. Mm-hmm. So our first date was in March. He moved. What was that spring break like? Iowa. Heaven. Yeah. Heaven. Just so sweet. So, cause we had fallen in love over the phone and texting yeah. and phone calls. So to actually be together and have no real life responsibility. Yeah. Like we were just on vacation together in Guatemala. Like we'd go up the mountains on a four wheeler to watch the sunset um, it was, it was amazing. Wow. And then he moved up to Iowa in May. I said, you can't, you can't come while I'm finishing this. I was in my third semester. I'm like, I will drop out if you're here right this second. So yeah. when I'm done in May, then you can come up to Iowa. And he drove up through Mexico to Cedar Falls. Wow. That was in May. We got engaged in June, married in September had the best photographer in all the land. <laughs> and that's our story. Okay. So just simply wow at that story. I remember you FaceTiming me <laughs> probably like within two weeks of the mission trip. And I can picture myself sitting in my life room and just being one so encouraged towards the Lord. Cause you hear that story and you're like, God, you're speaking to your people and you are you are doing you you are doing the thing like you were like god if this is it like you and he's like deal like i already i already know your entire life i already know exactly and i'm going to bring you to guatemala at this exact time to meet david and i'm going to tell you that it's going to be a life changing trip and i'm like he's speaking mm-hmm. to his people and i think often especially in western world culture we can think that god's not speaking to his people and they, that he's not moving in the ways that he quote unquote, did in the Bible. And that's just simply not true. So like, I love yeah. getting to hear mm-hmm. your story and just the ways that you were listening. You were listening mm-hmm. to God too. You were communing with the living God. David's communing with the living God, mm-hmm. right? Like you're following his yeah. steps. And I love, I, I had typed out when you were sharing the story in quotes, Leslie prayed, the woman prayed. She got down on her hands and knees for three years because she felt mm-hmm. the call from God and she said, God, if you don't move in my husband, we're not going to do this. And, and, but she believed that God would, she got on her hands and knees and knew that he could be yes. the one to change Dwayne. And that's just like so convicting yes. and encouraging. I heard a quote this last week mm-hmm. in a sermon I was listening to and it, it was, 
we don't pray before the work. Prayer is the work. Then God works. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's just so good. And that's like, that's your entire story. You and David Mm. talking with God. Is this it? God, what are you doing? And oh my gosh, I I can go back to hearing that story for the first time. And I feel like I told it to 30 people the following week. I'm like, this is the God we're serving. This is how he's moving. I don't know if like, you know, if you forgot and like, listen, do listen to this insane story. And then you got married the following September and to get to witness that was just so special. And now you said yes to, and you're back in Guatemala. What did mm. what did that look like? Was did you know that was always the plan? You said on the bench or that day, you were like, "I knew I was going to live in Guatemala." Yeah. Okay, wh- okay. Well, when rubber actually meets the road, and you're like, "Okay, mm-hmm. like that's not an easy yes." Can you talk to us about mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Yes. In that moment, I knew my future would be in Guatemala, and that is not to say that if God. So for most people going and living in a developing country would be the most radical obedience for them. But for David, if God asked him, I want you to go move to Western Iowa forever. That would him be like, God, if you say so, I don't want to, but I will follow you to the ends of the earth. Yeah. Um, Cause he was kind of like not to, and and then go back to your story, but he was kind when, also share about when he came to Iowa, he, I mean, he was like, gosh, get me back to Guatemala, you know, and getting to hear your heart while you're in Guatemala about following Jesus and the beauty. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, no, it it is. It is so interesting. And I have now come around to maybe be more, uh, more aligned with David in uh, the gifts that we have as a family here living here. I don't, yeah. necessarily want to sacrifice them and move up and move up to the States. The time we get, is, okay, David's with all four of our kids right now working on plumbing in someone's house. Yeah. Like I, we, it's, yeah. Yes. So there are so many pros and blessings of being here, but if God said, ultimately we follow him. Yeah. If he said tomorrow, I want you to pack up your bags and move to, I don't know, anywhere we hopefully would listen Yeah. and do that. I didn't really struggle with the idea of moving to Guatemala or saying yes to marrying David. Yeah. Because I was so 100% sure that this was God's leading on my life. Yeah. So there wasn't any fear yeah. in that. There was maybe like, ugh, my Spanish sucks. Yeah. Or, okay, we don't have dryers. We don't have dishwashers. I need to learn how to make homemade food. Just yeah. there were a lot of those type of things, but I knew I would work it out because the yeah. ultimate question was answered of God, is this where I'm supposed to be? Yeah. And when that's a yes, like, oh, okay, yeah. we'll figure out everything else. And, you know, I've had people ask me like, wow, you got married after only knowing David for eight months, nine months, like, how could you be secure in that? Or how did you know that he was the one? And my answer is, my security was not in David, Hmm. was not, oh, I feel like I can trust this man. I feel like this man knows me. We have history. Therefore, I'm stepping into this marriage with him. I knew, I knew, I knew that by saying yes to David, I was saying yes to God. Hmm. And I can trust God. And God won't let me down. Yeah. And 
So, yes, David living here in Guatemala, it's it would be so much scarier if I jumped into the, my relationship with David because it was just what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And how catastrophic living here would be if I didn't know that this was God's sovereignty in my yeah. life because yeah. the days where it's the days where it's hard and there are hard days. I'd be like, why am I even here? Mm-hmm. But I go back, I go back to the marketplace in Antigua mm. where the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, he is it. And your life here is it. I'm like, mm. okay, this is a hard day, but we're going to keep trucking and we're going to yeah. have more hard days. Yeah. But this is where God has me. And that's what my confidence is in. Mm. I love that. What does a typical day in the life of B look like for you in Guatemala? <laughs> Um, well, last night, me and my kids and husband all took worm medicine. I'm supposed to take that once every six months. Uh, cute little Guatemala things. Um, but no, uh, yeah, typical day. It's very, to me, very average stay at home mom life mixed with little quirks of being here. So wake up. I ideally have time with Jesus before the kids get up and they are very early risers. So therefore I have to be a very, very early riser for that to happen. But we, we go to bed, like we've talked, I go to bed very early. So I really don't need 12 hours of sleep at night. Like I wish I would. Because you Um, said you go to bed when the sun goes to bed. Didn't you say that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then the sun will come up at six. I'm like, well, that makes sense. I went to bed at seven. So really I am rested. I can, I can get up and take on the day now. Um, so yeah, we, we get up and, uh, want David or I make breakfast, just very normal. There's a lot of cleaning that needs to be done. Our house isn't fully closed in. We have a lot of screens and especially in the dry season, it's very dusty. So we don't also Maddie. You know, plug your ears. We don't take our shoes off inside. <laughs> <laughs> Are you triggered? Are you okay? No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, Thanks. And just because the, the outside is very much one with the inside. So I say that there's a lot of cleaning that takes place. Um, we do laundry with the kids and hang it up outside. I do school with Sophia while the boys are running around, hopefully within the gated compound. <laughs> Uh, sometimes we've had a couple escape situations and (laughs) Isaiah, when he was out, maybe 18 months old was returned by a Guatemalan to our compound. Stop. That's kind of the good thing. The good thing about being the only white people in an area is that no one can really take our kid without it being alarming or raising questions (laughs) by other people. Does it feel like (laughs) clearly? <laughs> this is not your child. Does it? Is it? Uh, it, I know it wouldn't like matter necessarily, but is it? Does it feel like a safe area? Or are you guys like know a lot of the people around? Obviously, they've been there for yes. a long time. Yes, it's a small community, and uh, my husband's family has been here for twenty plus years, so they have established a lot of mutual respect yeah. in the community. I mean, in my family, they have a hospital to serve the people here. But They that started took, the hospital. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that took time to establish that trust and respect. Rightfully so. If you have yeah. people coming into your community who look very different from you, 
who maybe are coming with money and coming yeah. with an, ag- an agenda, uh, you can be really skeptical and wonder if they really have your best interest. But through humility and lowliness, mm. the Ficker family has established that. So, yes, it does feel really safe. Um, we have a property that is gated for at nighttime, you know, close the gate. But they're really I think when they first came, there were maybe some more issues with with safety. And uh, I think David or his dad asked one time, like, so if someone like comes onto our property, do we call the cops? And the neighbor's advice is like, no, you just shoot them. Like, just take take care of it. <laughs> so we there's there's not a lot of yeah. And that's that's one of the differences between here in the states. There's not a lot of structural backing of like I know that the police enforcement here will take care. It's like no, you they they might not yeah. be working that day. So just protect yourself. Uh, but it is it is really safe. Yeah. So you said or David, one of his his job on the compound, he really is fixing, building. He's kind of the does everything guy. And you said that you'll mm-hmm. you'll send the boys with him and they'll get to go to work with him. And are you seeing, do you see your, some of these questions I know the answer to, but do you see your family, <laughs> um, your in-laws every day, some of the time, you know, are you, I, I see she had B. I I don't even know if I've said this yet. B's one of the funniest people in the entire world. That that should have been in the opening lines that she is one of the funniest people and has just a heart of gold. Like God just, he made her special. I swear. Like she had a heart of gold pre Jesus. Even you're like this girl. Um, but she's hysterical. Her stories. I mean, me, Alex is consistently like, did you see B's story? Did you see B's story? Because it's just her boys are there at the market or they're like in a, in a, not a four wheeler or like a four. I can't think, but like, they're just all packed in there. Like, so what, what's that like? Like you walk to the market, you drive to the market or do you go once a week? I mean, it's, it's everything mm-hmm. so different than in the States, like yes. everything. Like there's, yes. what are uh-huh. some of the things that come to mind? Which is, I guess that's my, my next question. Like what are the, some of the biggest differences between living in the States and Guatemala? And do you see like your family every day? Do you do family dinners with your in-laws? What yeah. does that look like? Yeah. So we, live uh 32nd walk from my in-laws so yes we see them every day they are amazing people where if I had any other in-laws I can imagine it being Mm. very challenging but they are absolutely incredible and I love them so Mm. praise god it works we we do try we're trying to implement with our boys especially Isaiah because he's three now okay you have to ask mommy and daddy before you go to grandma and grandpa's yeah. Or else I'm looking for Isaiah and Leslie calls me. She's like, he's just having his second breakfast here. I'm like, <laughs> okay, when he's done, send him, back. You send him back home. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sensitive to not wanting to be a burden and everyone's living their own lives, but I'll get a text from my sister-in-law. Hey, if you can't find Jed, he's in our house. I'm like, <laughs> okay, he now went through a gate that should have been closed is now in your house. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> But everyone's super gracious and we all take turns of whose kids are being let loose and welcoming themselves into each other's houses. Um, Because how many other kids are there besides yours? How many cousins? Yeah. So currently it's one other brother and his wife. 
but we have other people up in the States right now for like for a temporary circumstance. So if everyone is here, David has one, two, three brothers with their wives and their kids here. It's I'm not going to do the math, but probably yeah. 10 to 15 cousins okay, fine. every day that yeah. they get to hang out with. And then other other uh, long term missionaries here who um, are not family. One couple's from Zimbabwe, Africa, and another couple is doctors from the States who they both couples have kids as well. So, cool. so, and then you asked about kind of life here with our kids. Um, we go to market once a week, fresh, uh, produce is brought in on trucks all around Guatemala and Friday's our market day. Sometimes we take the forerunner. That was a previously smashed vehicle that David fixed up that doesn't have doors. That's not my vehicle of choice. <laughs> it's, it's, it's also stick shift. I, uh, I got stuck in the, we have one intersection in town with a stoplight and I had killed it enough oh, no. times that I had stayed there through three green lights. I'm getting honked at people are behind me and I'm like crying oh. and I want to say, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm like, how do I say that in Spanish? Yeah. I'm just this big, big white lady in the middle of the intersection <laughs> blocking up traffic. So oh. David is so kind to let me use our Tahoe that had that's manual or automatic. I should say automatic yeah. has all doors. It's a better just a more cozy driving experience for me. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of street dogs all around Guatemala, and a lot of them are mean. So if I'm going to go on a walk, it's usually not wise for me to put headphones in because then I can't hear if there's a dog coming up behind me or a cow. Oh, my goodness. Or just a motorcycle. Has um, one of the dogs ever so attacked I, you? Uh, no. Okay. Plenty have wanted to, but you come you come prepared with a long stick or a rock and start throwing a rock at it. I lean on the side of being scared of animals, so maybe someone else would have a different <laughs> perspective. <laughs> I just want to go on a walk yeah. and not worry about being bit by this rabid dog. Oh. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> it is. <laughs> but... Yeah, so those are just some, I mean, a lot of dirt roads. Getting your roads paved is very new and progressive. Yeah, if we want to go out to eat, there's a couple options. I do have to say, living in rural Guatemala, where we live, is a completely different experience from living in Guatemala City. You know, it'd be like asking someone in the States, what's it like to live in the States? Are you talking about downtown L.A. or Carroll, Iowa? Because that's going to be a very different. um, Yeah. But yeah. Okay, can you, would you be willing to tell us about a season of suffering and how you saw the Lord show up in it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> will I, oh, will I? Um, yeah, I feel like I need to give a million disclaimers because my season or my suffering is very unique and could be very insensitive to someone going through a very opposite struggle. So I'll to give like if my if my suffering were at were a headline, it'd say woman trusts God with children, birth control, gets pregnant more than she would like to. 
So, but what that really means is before, I'll just share this, Mads. Mm-hmm. And if, yeah, yeah. Uh, before David and I got married, we you know, were talking through family planning. What do you want to do? I had never been on birth control because like I said in the beginning, it was never even close to necessary <laughs> for me. And so we're talking about what we're what we're wanting to do. And I had felt a few weeks before our wedding that God, and this is very, this is in a very important part of the story. I felt a personal invitation from God that what if we just completely gave it to him mm-hmm. completely. I'm like, gosh, God, that sounds crazy. That sounds radical. I haven't really heard of anyone doing that. I know I've heard of natural family planning, but there's still some, you know, logistical strategic things mm-hmm. uh, with natural family planning to avoid or achieve pregnancy. I go, I, I mean, I'll bring it up to David, but there's not a chance he's going to want to go through with that. And when I saw David next, um, I was like, hey, you know, the birth control thing. Well, what do we want to do after we get married? I go, this sounds so crazy, but I kind of feel like God invited us to just like completely give it to him mm-hmm. and like not do anything either way. And David said very annoyingly, yeah, I feel the same. <laughs> so, wow. um, Maddie and I both got pregnant right after our wedding. I I knew mine was probably likely uh, because of what we had, (laughs) what we had chosen to do. We got, I got pregnant two months after we got married and I knew that this was going to be a struggle, trusting God, trusting that he is, that he is good. um, Mm -hmm. And that his plans are good. I didn't want to get pregnant immediately because I wanted to finish nursing school, not pregnant. Wanted to maybe experience marriage life for six months, not pregnant. I didn't want to be walking at my college graduation, super pregnant, which jokes on me. We didn't have a graduation because of the pandemic, so that didn't really matter. Um, but it was way less costly when we just had our had our one, right? I get pregnant with Isaiah, give birth to Isaiah, and then I'm confronted again all right, I have a newborn. This is flipping hard. I don't know if I ever want to do this again, let alone anytime soon. So I'd kind of talk with David like, hey, are we still, yeah, what are we, what are we doing about this? He's like, still trusting God completely. I go, hmm, I don't, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that because I want to not be pregnant for at least a couple of years. Uh, I get really sick in pregnancy too. I didn't know that before I had Isaiah. I thought morning sickness was maybe a gag a little bit on your way to work. No, like throwing up all day long until your 17 weeks was my experience. So for all those reasons, like, no, this is costly. This is no small thing to just flippantly give it to God. God, I trust you. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to trust you. So Isaiah was born in August. I conceived Jed in March or April. Okay, not ideal, but two under two. I've heard people do it. You know, as time goes on, 
you know, after the first few days, I'm like, okay, I'm excited. This will mm-hmm. be good. I wasn't breastfeeding Isaiah. So it's not like I was worried about how am I going to do this while still mm-hmm. being, while being pregnant with another, um, have Jed. And now the stakes are even higher. It's even more costly. God, I do not want to give this to you because history has kind of proven mm. that when we do, uh, we get pregnant. Mm. So, gosh, and I, yeah, I do not need to get into the details of, of all of that, but um, my heart was so conflicted of, and at, at any point, at any point, I could have said, all right, I'm getting on birth control or we're using other protection. I don't want to do this anymore. And God would have not been mad at me. Mm-hmm. I know there is no condemnation. Mm-hmm. I I know that. Um, but I just still felt him whisper, do you trust me? Do you think that is God of the universe? That I That I think I know what is the best timing for something of that magnitude? And I go, yeah, no, I don't think you know. But then I'd come around and go, oh, but you do. You're right. You do. Yeah. Uh, so we have Jed. And like I said, the stakes are higher. And David and I would pray almost every night, um, praying. We were saying, God, we do not want to conceive for at least two years. This is after we had our second Jed for at least two years. We do not want to conceive, you know. Ask and you shall receive, knock and he will answer, seek first the kingdom of heaven and he will give you the desires of your heart. Like I could justify why he would listen to this very specific petition. Like, God, I have given you this really big thing that I have not wanted to give you, but I'm still giving it to you. Could you at least like not let me down and just listen to this specific prayer of waiting two years? So we were doing that like every night. So we went up in the States, September of 22. Jed, my little guy was, my littlest guy at the time was eight months old. And I thought I was pregnant. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like up there visiting family. I can't be present in any conversation because my world, no, 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 no. So David went out and got me a test. I took it and it was negative. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what? I'm like, And I go, God, I'm, I started repenting. I'm like, I'm so mm. sorry that I don't trust mm. you. I, yes, mm. you've been listening to me. Yes, you're a good father. Yes, you know what is best. I am so sorry for thinking you're so small and that you don't care or love me or I've been listening. The irony <laughs> is we conceived, we conceived elk that night. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I have nothing to worry about. Yeah. God has got me. Oh, let's have some fun. He's got me. <laughs> uh, and then we come back to Guatemala. And my stomach kind of feels weird, but I'm like, oh, maybe it's traveling. I noticed our house had a really distinct smell. But, you know, we've been gone for a while. And then you kind of notice what your house smells like when you return. Yeah. And then I start having vivid dreams. I go, gosh, this is weird. This is exactly how I feel in early, early pregnancy. <laughs> and a couple days went on and I'm like, oh, I'm kind of nauseous. I don't really want eggs for breakfast. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, but I'm like, also to add to this, 
I thought I was on my period. I was actively bleeding. If you were not looking for an obstetric podcast, I'm sorry. (laughs) um, Yeah. If you're on your period, it means you're not pregnant. Okay. I just say that. So I'm like, whatever. These are, these are really weird symptoms, but I, I'm, I'm not pregnant. Mm -hmm. Well, then I'm like, this is, I feel really weird. So a couple days later I took a test and that sucker was more positive than it was not like all of the dye in the test was stolen and taken to the, (laughs) the test side. The control side was the one that was really faint. And I'm like, so shocked, hurt, in disbelief, like, no, 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 no. Mm. I don't even know where to go here from here. At this time, none of the family here knew what, what David and I were doing about birth control. I be- I don't even know if I told you. I had not told really any friends what we were doing. You had told me. It, after? Yeah. No, I feel no, like you. I told you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you knew. Uh, but I had not told everyone because there's just some things that are so sacred in between yeah. you and God that you're like, I can't open this up for a discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is this is what he's talked to us. This is what we're doing. OK, so you knew no one here. None of David's family knew. And I in that moment of getting that positive test, I felt stupid. Hmm. I felt like a fool. Like, how do I even freaking tell people that I'm pregnant again and have a nine month old? And yeah, you've heard of two under two. I've not heard many people have three under three. And that's what we were looking at. Um, and I was so fragile in that mm-hmm. moment where I'm like, I don't know how to tell people. Cause when you tell people you're pregnant mm-hmm. after you've had babies close together, some of the things they say mm-hmm. is, Oops, or do you not know how that happens? Mm-hmm. Um, or, uh, you know, you could you could fix that. Mm-hmm. And I've been told all of those. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you have no idea that I am crumbling right now. Mm-hmm. Not just because I'm pregnant, because I have been faced with the reality that I don't think I trust God. Mm-hmm. I don't think I want to give my life to him. Mm-hmm. Uh Definitely don't want to give this specific part to him anymore because look how that's played out. Mm. So it was such a, like I said, a unique type of suffering. Oh, to add that on, we were adopting our seven-year-old daughter a month after uh, I found out. So I was like, God, Mm. what do you not see? If you really know all and are ordaining all, all of our children, Sophia included, why would you give me a pregnancy right before bringing this little girl home where I'm going to be sick, where mm. that's a huge transition, just just looking at adopting? Um, and I, I know, Maddie, I right. So that was my suffering. How did I how did I get through that? What was my what did I cling to? And the timing Right before we found out we were pregnant, when we were up in the States, we went to a conference in Orlando, Florida, and Stephanie Gretzinger gave a message about what true worship is. And she said, you know, the first time worship is mentioned in the Bible is Genesis 5, where God had asked Abraham to go up and sacrifice Isaac. 
And so they're packing their things for the sacrifice. And some of the workers down below asked Abraham, hey, what are you doing? And Abraham says, Isaac and I are going to go up to worship and then we'll be back down. Mm. She says, Stephanie Gretzinger said, worship was not first mentioned when talking about singing. When talking about doing anything. It was mentioned when Abraham was going to give the thing that means the most to him to God Hmm. and say, it's yours. I surrender it to you. The thing that is most costly, the thing you hold on to the most tightly, that that is that's when the word worship was introduced. And Maddie, I clung to that. Hmm. I have never cried more in a season of my life than saying God, I am giving this to you, and I hope it blesses you. Mm. I hope you are proud of me. I hope that this is true worship. I hope that this is more beautiful worship to your ears than any other song I have ever sang. Because this hurts. And I don't want to give this to you. Mm. And I'd love to tell you right now as we're recording this, Oh, I trust God so freely that if we get pregnant tomorrow, it is what it is. I'm not there. It is such an every day I am confronted with. Trust is such an elusive word sometimes. So really the questions are, do I believe you're good? Do I believe you love me? Do I believe that you know what's best for my family, for my other four kids, for my marriage. I can feel like, God, okay, maybe maybe you see me, but do you see the whole picture? Mm. That like I'm I'm at home with these kids and I'm homeschooling and how this has been a really hard thing in our marriage. Like so I have to ask the question, do you see all? Do you know all? <laughs> and those are questions that I have not had to ask until this situation Mm. I'm still I'm still in it so if you were out there on my social media being like oh she must have wanted to have three kids in three years no I did not I love my kids and I would they're such a blessing and I can look back and say your ways are higher Um, had we not had Jed when we did we could not have adopted Sophia like Mm -hmm. Me having Jed gave me permanent residence here in Guatemala that I was able to Hmm. adopt our girl. Like I can, it's so much easier to look back and say, oh, you were faithful. You are good. But do I want to keep (laughs) trusting you in the now Hmm. when you're actually going through it? That's, uh, yeah, I have to seek his face and ask those foundational questions about his character. Um, that's the only way through it for me. Hmm. Thanks for sharing what you're walking through currently. I know it's easy to share things, like you said, that are tied up in a bow. And you're like, I, I did see how what God did. And not that you, and you have seen what God did, but thanks for being so honest and vulnerable when you're like, I'm still wrestling through this and I'm still in the thick of it. And I'm still, I still am looking back and seeing what God's done. And it's still really hard. Um, I'm sure mm-hmm. that that's a complete encouragement to somewhere, someone listening today that is in that same space. Like, why is it not tied up in a bow yet? And you're like, no, I'm still mm-hmm. choosing to trust God. 
and mm-hmm. I will continue to fight to trust him. And, and it's, what does that look like for you in the day to day as you are like fighting to trust him? You, you know, you're mm-hmm. asking those questions and you like, you know, at a head level, you know, the, the answers to mm-hmm. those, what does it look like, like tangibly day to day to, to do that for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all those questions I just asked, if my day is spent where I get up and I start talking to Jesus and I start loving him and ministering to him and worship him and I tell him, thank you for my family. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for this life. And I start repenting and then I open up my Bible and start reading the scriptures mm. If I spend my morning doing that, I will then answer every single one of those questions. Yes, I trust you. Yes, you are good. Yes, you are with me. Yes, you see and you know all. If I don't intentionally do those things, my answer is nope, 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 nope. (laughs) Yeah. And I, it it has to be a, a daily thing that. Yeah that I do because all of us, me, I am so prone to keep my eyes on my situation and the evidence and yeah, yeah, without without doing those things, I can't, I can't follow Jesus and say, I lay down everything for you without spending time with him every day and having him love me back and receiving that. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like I've had multiple conversations with people in my life lately and this is a conver- this is something I'm like consistently thinking about and essentially you just said it is that when I'm when my eyes are fixed on myself again I'm led to discouragement and despair whatever it is whether it's my situation whether it's simply me like I you know like when my eyes are down how 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 is this going to work out how I'm not insecurity, despair, discouragement, whatever it is. And it's when the Lord just continually saying, yeah, get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes onto the living God. And mm-hmm. but, but again, like you said, it's a day-to-day needing to right when we wake up, fix our eyes on the living God. Mm-hmm. And it's it's sweet. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe you experience this too. By God's grace, the, the longer that I'm the closer I'm getting with him, the longer I'm walking with him. Um, I feel like when I'm being led to despair or striving or insecurity or discouragement, like it's like the, the spirits like having these little red flags, like oh, red flag that you're just staring at yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be mm-hmm. led to discouragement. I'd be led to discouragement too. If I'm just like, Oh gosh, I don't, I don't have much to offer in this situation, but the living God does and his spirit inside of me yeah. does. And so, um, yeah, just that encouragement to whoever's listening that's discouraged or and maybe you're in the midst of suffering. I think um, it was in college, um, my junior year, I was depressed. I just transferred. Um, and my sweet friend, Abby, who you know, um, and my mom, essentially both. And I, at this point, my life isn't surrendered to Jesus, but I'm trying. I'm like, I like want him, but I also want the world. Um, but I'm depressed and I'm lonely and 
basically both of them in one way or or another essentially said, you're really focused on yourself. And I'm like, I kind of like, it was a little bit of harsh love. I'm kind of pissed. I'm like, can you just let me cry? I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm lonely. Just let me be sad basically. And they kind of were both, Mm -hmm. both in different ways were like, you're being really prideful and you think you deserve anything and your eyes are on yourself. And, and my mom, I remember my mom saying, God might have you there for someone else and not yourself. Like it's not about you. Mm-hmm. And I remember like being just so upset at that, like at that, like really that's, that's what you're going to go with. But like, and, yeah. but I'm finding time and time again, like, no, that's time and time again, my issue in my marriage. If I'm, I'm so self-focused, oh, why, why isn't Alex doing this? Oh my gosh, I'm so self-focused. I'd lift my eyes to the living God, humble myself and serve my husband. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, it's amazing mm-hmm. how sweet and healthy my marriage is. If I'm discouraged about my suffering, and that's not to negate that it's like things are really hard and that we're we're yeah. sad like there's sadness and like yeah. deep sadness yeah. and it's a fallen world. Mm-hmm. But gosh, if I stay there with my eyes down on myself, I mean it's there it is despair. What what's this even for? Mm-hmm. But if my eyes are lifted mm-hmm. up to the living God, okay, God, even you are using this this darkest moment in my life for your glory and my good. Now that my eyes are on you, mm. I, I can I can see that, and I have an eternal mm-hmm. hope. My eyes are on eternity now, not this world that's going to be gone in a yeah. blip, and we will be in eternity forever yeah. with the living God. But it's just it is so easy mm-hmm. to get our eyes fixed on ourselves, and it reminds me of the book, The Freedom of Self Forgetfulness by Timothy Keller. Have you ever read that? Mm. It's a little. It's like what I need to. It's the littlest book. I need to, I I read it at least once a year, if not multiple times a year. It's so short. It's so Mm -hmm. little, but it's so punchy. It's basically, it's based off of 1 Corinthians 4, Timothy Keller, where Paul says, like, I'm not even, I don't care if you judge me. I'm not even my own judge. God judges me. And then the Mm -hmm. whole book premise Mm -hmm. is like, stop thinking so much about yourself. Get your eyes on the living God. And it's it's so freeing. It's truly where our freedom in the yes. Lord comes because it's not about me. It's yes. not about if I'm great or if I'm not great. It's not about if I'm mm-hmm. making it or if I'm failing. Like it's none of it's about me. It's about what's God calling me to and keeping my eyes fixed on eternity because that's where my hope is, is Jesus being with him yes. forever. And this this momentary trouble that still is very real and God is catching every tear. He's not diminishing that. I still get to then have a deeper eternal hope even in the midst of this, that that he's working things out and he's bringing his name glory through this. Um, Maddie, you said something to me as I was walking through this last fall, and I'm sure sending you tearful audio messages. Uh, and you said to me, you go, B, I feel like God is raising up an army in your family with your boys. Hmm. And what that did to my spirit, just to hear from someone else, be like, maybe this isn't in vain. Maybe this has to do with the kingdom of God. And if we are here when Jesus returns, we're going to need an army of people who love the bridegroom. And if I am popping out a baby every year, Lord, no thank you in the name of Jesus. But if I am popping out a baby... Every year for the next 10 years, we have an army of soldiers mm-hmm. for God. Mm-hmm. 
I will spend the rest of eternity not yeah. regretting a second of that. Yes. So yes. I just want to thank you for, oh, speaking so much life to me in that moment. Hmm. To think, I haven't even thought about five years from now. Hmm. I was so like, this is so hard right now. Hmm. And not even having the kingdom of God eternal perspective over that situation until you spoke those words, Maddie. Hmm. Praise the Lord. I feel like one thing he's been showing me even these last couple months, the thing that keeps coming to mind or just the words like narrow vision, small vision, narrow mm. vision, like, mm. oh my gosh, God. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I can get such small vision on my circumstance right now. That's such small vision. Or I can get so my life, me, my comfort, my schedule, especially here in America, my comforts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, oh, gosh, God, that is such narrow, small vision. If I just lift my mm-hmm. eyes and I'd see all yes. the things you're doing, going to do, and then the hope of eternity. Oh, gosh, give me Take away my small vision. Oh, that's silly. Your power, like your vision is great and grand. And I want to have an eternal vision, not this narrow, small vision. Um, but I'm praising God. And I, oh gosh, B, I am so encouraged by the army that you guys are building up. And oh my gosh. And, and that's the sweet thing too about walking along, well, following Jesus. That's why we need the peoples, as you know, to be like, Hey, I know it's probably really hard to see this while you're in the thick of it. We need the people. I need the Abbies and the my moms to say, this is what I'm seeing. Was I a little mad at them? For sure. Like how you dare you not, how dare you don't just coddle me and maybe send me a gift mm-hmm. card or something, mom, because I'm a college student. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. no, because that won't comfort you. What will comfort you is only to fix mm-hmm. your eyes on the living God. That's the only thing. Yes. And to get your eyes off yourself. So thanks for thanks for sharing all of that. Okay, B, what is a lie that you've believed that God has had to or maybe still is uprooting in your heart? And what gospel truth has he been reminding you to squash that lie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mads, it really goes back to everything I was kind of sharing before with our our pregnancies, yeah. pregnancy journeys. Uh, the lie that I believed last fall when I got that positive text test with elk is God, you only see me as a means Hmm. to the fruit you want to produce. You only see me as the woman who's going to make these babies. Hmm. You don't actually love me, Brittany Opal Hmm. or care about me. Cause if you did, you would spare me. And I think I'm having revelation right as I say this out loud. I often think if you really loved me, you wouldn't have me go through trial. Hmm. Because he loves me, he's having me go through this. Because hmm. he wants me close to him. Maddie, I have never been more close to him than I was going through that hmm. every single day, asking him those questions. Hmm. Yeah. And it goes back to the, as you were talking about, small vision, narrow vision. He can let us have that, but man, am I miserable? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I have small vision and I'm not going to him on my knees in tears saying, God, I need you to be real. I need you to be in my bedroom with me right now. Jesus with your arms around me. If I have small vision, I'm not having those moments. 
Yeah. Because I'm kind of going through life in my own strength. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the lie was, if you cared about me or really loved me, I wouldn't be pregnant again and about to go through this. Mm. Um, but I'm realizing it's because he loves me. And when I'm face to face with him at the end of my life, I want us to have some history together. Mm-hmm. Be like, remember when you were in my room with me, Jesus, when I mm. didn't want to get off the floor? Mm. That mm. is his kindness to give us those opportunities to be so intimate with him. It is not kind of him to let me go about my life without needing him. Hmm. Um, yeah. And I think I'm kind of piecing that together right now, talking to you. Hmm. Um, yes, he wants us well. He doesn't, he doesn't wish. Uh, there can be a Western Christianity lie that God doesn't want you to suffer. Mm-hmm. I think he doesn't want us, you to suffer alone. But the Bible talks a lot about suffering. Mm-hmm. It says, partake in Christ's sufferings with him. Yeah. yeah. Take up your cross. Yeah. Um, to this you are called. Yes. So maybe because he loves me, he's inviting me to lay myself down more and more because through that, I am so close to him because I need him. Mm. I need him to be God. It can't just be a good idea. I need I need him to be real. So he's mm. squashing that life. If he loved me, I wouldn't go through things of because I love you. He doesn't want us to go through fruitless things. Don't hear me saying God wants you to go mm-hmm. get sick, crash your car. No, 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 no. But I think there are sufferings. There are sufferings that happen because we are fleshly flawed humans. Yeah. And then there's suffering of like, no, this is because you're following me and I'm leading you through this and you will be refined and you will be closer with me. That's good. That's good. Okay. What is a piece of scripture that the Lord is currently using to encourage, exhort, or convict you with lately? I kid you not, I had this written down before we even talked and started talking about getting our eyes off ourselves, but it's the Colossians 3. Set your hearts on things above where Christ Mm -hmm. is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. Mm. God. It's exactly what we've been saying. Um, get my head out of my butt. Because <laughs> it's not happy there. I'm not happy there. No one's happy around me no. when that is where yeah. I'm looking. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been raised. With, if we die with him, we've also been raised with him. So let's go. Take your eyes up. That's where freedom is. Yeah. So good. Okay. Someone is out there listening to this and maybe for the first time thinking, I want to respond to the gospel. I want to know and follow Jesus. What is a tangible next step for them? What advice do you have for them? Mm. Congratulations. You just made the best decision Mm. of your eternity (laughs) and he will not let you down. Mm. So something that really changed for my quiet, because you've probably been told, get alone with God every day, Mm -hmm. get plugged into a church. Yes, you need community. You need people like Maddie who are going to give you a kingdom perspective when stuff gets hard. As far as your quiet time every day goes with, with the Lord, something that really changed for me 
I would say, oh, I just don't have time. I have little kids. They're getting up. They're getting up early. So how can I get up earlier mm -hmm. than them? Mm -hmm. I had the idea of what if I have five minutes and not just mm -hmm. say I'm going to read my Bible for five minutes, but literally pull out my phone, set a timer mm -hmm. and say, okay, for five minutes, I'm going to start talking to Jesus, loving on him, singing to him. And when the timer goes off, okay, mm -hmm. if I need to go back be with my kids, I will go do that. Or the timer goes off like, oh, those five minutes went by really fast. And yeah. that was incredible. And I'm mm -hmm. just getting to the good part and seeing his face. Let's do five more minutes. And I set another timer. I don't know what it is, what the psychology is behind that, but... Even if I had an hour, I would still say I don't have enough time. Hmm. Um, but if I knew I have a finite ending of this timer is going to go off in 15 minutes, and then I can choose. I can choose if I'm done and done reading my Bible. Um, I have, I actually have started doing it every day. Hmm. And it'll be, I'm going to the bathroom. I know my kids are fine. Yeah. While I'm going to the bathroom, I'm going to set a timer and instead of scrolling Instagram, yeah. I'm going to start talking to Jesus. Yeah. And so I would say if you're starting off and it sounds really intimidating, start at two minutes. Yeah. Start telling him that you love him. Start thanking him for things that are in your life. Start repenting of sin and crap that's been going on in, in your day. And you, I'll give you your money back guarantee if that does not transform your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no more excuse that you don't have time because you can do it for 30 seconds. I don't care. Yes. Turning our eyes to him yeah. and giving him devotion. 30 seconds is way better than five years of I just don't have time. Yes. And I say that from being in that spot for yeah. a really long time. I love that so much. That's so encouraging. Okay. Last but not least, we have some rapid fire questions. Keyword rapid, keyword fire. Are you ready? Yes, I'm okay. ready. Okay. Most impactful verse on your life all time. Luke 10, 42. And Jesus said, but only few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken from her. Wow. So good. Favorite song all time? It's not about Jesus, but it's tattooed on my body. Black Balloon by the Goo Goo Dolls. Your favorite. Your fave. Um, favorite food? Mexican. Favorite Bible teacher to listen to? Francis Chan. Favorite podcast? That Sounds Fun with Annie F. Downs and The Toast. Okay, something not many people know about you. I'm pretty good with directions and navigation. Amazing. What's something you're loving right now? I love coffee. I'm kind of on a little hiatus because it's been ruining my stomach. Um, but... If I'm going to get these results back soon from the lab uh, that I'm clear, I might I might go have a cup of coffee with fresh cream from my in, uh, sister and brother-in-law's cows. Stop. Amazing. Okay. And lastly, 
We wanted to talk about Sweet Sophia and their entire adoption story, but as you can see, we are already over an hour and a half <laughs> into this episode, as I expected. So we're actually going to do another episode to talk about their adoption journey, how God through all of that, just wild. Sweet Sophia, um, after adopting her, what life and, and the hard things and the great things, we're going to do another episode with that. So in case you're like... Uh, it feels like that's like a pretty important part of her story and you guys didn't talk about it. We decided it deserves a, a, an ep- a different episode. Yeah. So B, how can our friends today, how can our friends listening today be praying for you? Yes. A very uh, tangible, specific thing that you could join us in prayer for is actually for uh, a speech therapist for Sophia. Yeah. We are still in the search of, it, it, it's difficult because we live in Guatemala We're trying to find someone from the States who speaks English, who can uh, administer the speech therapy. Uh, But then because we don't live in the States, there's been a lot of licensing issues where speech pathologists at clinics are like, oh, we'd love to, but I'm not licensed to do international telehealth. Yeah. Um, So if you are a speech therapist Mm. or know of any that would love to help us out, she needs specific speech therapy post VPI surgery in a child born with a cleft palate. Yeah. If you would just stop this episode, just pause right now, stop and pray for that. Pray for the Fickers that they'd find a speech therapist for Sweet Sophia. That is no light thing to us that you'd stop and pray for them. B, you are just the best. I'm so grateful that the Lord brought you into my life all of those years ago. I'm so grateful that you'd get on and spend two hours. Sweet Elk is surely missing his mama. And yeah, just I can't say enough good things about you in the ways that God's used you and your obedience and your life to change mine. And yeah, I'm just praying and believing and that so many people are encouraged by your yes to Jesus today. So thanks for being here and sharing all those things. I love you so much. Oh my word, I could chat with B about all things Jesus every day, all day. I just learned so much from her and I'm praying that you were encouraged by what God is doing in her life, by her testimony. Friends, if this episode was encouraging to you at all, would you share it with your friends and family? Would you share it to your social media spaces? Would you take a moment to leave a review and rating? Wherever you listen to your podcasts, I would seriously so appreciate it. As always, I would love to connect with you. You can reach me at maddie at sunnyand65.com. That's M-A-D-I at sunnyand65.com. Also, a way to keep in touch with me too, you can subscribe to my emails and my newsletters. You can do that in the show notes as well. Friends, go be bold and love big, and we will see you next time.